What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Pixel Splitters, your absolute favorite conversation podcast where we go over movie news, entertainment news, TV news over the past seven days. As always, we are your two hosts. My name is Josh. And my name is Willis. And uh, let's let's start it off here, Willis. a weird pronunciation of my name. <laughs> it's all right. Hey, you, Big 30. <laughs> Big 30. Episode um, number 30, everybody. Yes, and so in honor of this, uh, our recommendations at the end today will all be from 30 years ago. So the the yes. year of our Lord, 1991. Yes, which, uh, <laughs> horrifying. Yes, <laughs> there's a there's a far too high of a number for. I know, man. I for the early 90s. I don't know. I don't know. We're living in the yes. matrix. So <laughs> yeah. Uh. So anyway, what uh what so you what you got any content? This this week, Willis, you've been consuming. I do. I've I've actually been consuming a fair amount of content. Um, the yes. first one I'm going to go with is um, the Beatles. Um, wait, it's the Peter on. Jackson one, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All I get back. All I could think was, "Don't look up," and that's not it. The Beatles um, don't look up. The Beatles don't look up. No, the Beatles get back. Uh, the Peter Jackson, like fly in the wall documentary that is. I believe eight and a half hours long presented in three episodes. And like, there's like a narrative structure to it, but it is just found footage that he cut down from some like 80 odd hours that he had. And, uh, Oh my God, it is a hell of a watch. It is really, really interesting. Uh, streaming on Disney plus also weird. But that very odd, yeah. <laughs> it's very bizarre because it's all remastered and refinished by Peter Jackson, a la like Weta and all that kind of like. Oh, so like the so best it you is can get. Polished, like... <laughs> it is clean, and it is really, really freaky to watch John Lennon and Paul McCartney talk to each other like in 4K. Oh, oh god, okay. It's bizarre. It's wild. So I watched the first one. Okay, uh, was it like two hours? Like no, each or... episode is just about under three hours. Oh my. god. And there's three so it's episodes. A, it's a full movie every episode. It's, okay. It's big. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. So it's one of those that you can like, it's, it's split up. It's the 14 days before they put on a concert and it's split up per day. So you can kind of chapter it out and okay. not like really miss anything, but okay. um, it's really well done. It is of the caliber of Peter Jackson. Hell yes. And it's, it's worth the watch if you have an extra nine hours. Um, <laughs> Let's uh, the other the other piece of content I'll throw out there is I watched um, The Harder They Fall this weekend, mm-hmm. um, which for our, our listeners who have been listening for a while uh, was on my top 10 list, most anticipated movies. Yes. Um, arguably at this point, undeservedly so. Uh, yeah. Good movie. Yeah. Okay, movie. Um, Questionable, yeah. <laughs> very nice um, aesthetic. Yeah. Um, but kind of lost as to what it really wants to be. Yeah. Um, some very distinct Tarantino vibes going on in there. Yeah. But it kind of just loses itself a little bit. Um, great acting and all that kind of stuff, but it, it kind of drifts away from itself. So, um, yeah. But you know, hey, worth a watch if you know you when if you don't want to watch the Beatles for nine hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you don't want to watch the Beatles for nine hours, yeah. head over to Netflix, watch The Heart of They Fall. It's it's yeah, yeah, it's a time, you know. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> you're there for Idris Elba. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I've seen it. Yeah. And Jonathan, My- uh, not Jonathan Myers. Majors. Um, oh, Majors. So yeah. good. So yeah. good, man. He's going to oh be, he's going to, ex- I mean, he's already kind of exploding, but like. Yeah, but. He's just going to start being in everything because he is, he's one of those bankable actors that we've talked about. Like consistent. Yeah. Good performance. Right. Like, like another yeah. level kind of performance. It's yeah. like, cause the, and he's going up against like Lakeith Stanfield in that movie. And it's like, he's still yeah. like outshining pretty much everyone. So yeah, definitely one to look for. Yeah. Uh, what do you got, Josh? What have you been watching? Uh, I've been watching a couple things. Uh, the first piece of content that I'm going to uh, let you guys know about, it's actually not a movie. It's a video game because Halo Ooh. Infinite online released last week which means uh, a new halo game that's actually free to play for anyone who wants to play no kidding. yes all you have to do is download i think 15 gigs worth of data and then you can play and it's 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 just classic halo i think they're going back to their roots on this one and the fact that it's not 60 dollars is incredible for a lot of people me included great, because yeah. it's yeah that's a big the paywall for video games is pretty steep yep. and now that everyone's kind of moving away from that and going towards like battle passes in-game purchases and they're not making you pay for the game it's just so much better for everybody involved um so i believe this is cross-platform so you can play it on whatever you want to play really? it on that PC. was what i was gonna ask is, is yeah it still xbox exclusive now i don't know if it's on playstation that's the one thing where i'm like it's probably that on nintendo a, it's probably that on would be PC. a line to draw yeah <laughs> yeah i'm like it's one of those things i just don't know if they would do it but uh but hey if you're a playstation player you're not you're not interested in halo anyway come on now it's the concept Xbox of playing thing. halo on my nintendo switch is a very weird concept it would be a bad time probably but you know <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is um, so Halo Infinite Online, and it's also a campaign I haven't gotten into yet, but apparently there's a campaign built in, so free to play, um, but yeah, it's a good time so far. Uh, and the other piece of content that I consumed this week was the movie Pig, which uh, has been a long time coming. I didn't know, Nick Cage has been on a run the past five years where you're never sure. I mean, he makes five movies a year, so it's like, you know, one of them may be good. It's just kind of one of those things. And... Man, this movie absolutely blew me away. It's easily in my top five favorite movies that released this year. Wow, easily. Which and a lot of good stuffs come out. I mean, not, I mean, there's still a month left of great films to come <laughs> out, but still, this movie uh, blew me away in a lot of different ways. Um, directed by Michael Sarnowski, which I don't know any of his work, which is incredible. It's an A24 thing, so you know it's yep. not afraid to get really weird on you. So that's another reason why it's just. Um, it's it's a great it's a great ride, and uh, it is. I think it's yeah. It's streaming on Hulu right now, so I don't know how long it's going to be there. So check it out while you can, I guess, because A twenty four films tend to just kind of in and out disappear. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but yeah, Pig definitely worth the watch here. Oscar contender, um, you think? It's hard to say. That's a whole Not, conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so for Nick Cage because it's so subdued. It's not like a... It would be hard yeah. to put him in the race against a lot of the other people that we've seen and are sure. going to see in the next month. So, um, But it's a good time. It's like an hour and 50 minutes, I think. But yeah, let's, uh, let's get into the episode here. So this week, we are talking about a couple interesting things, some stuff that we talked about last week. We're starting off with PTA's Licorice Pizza, which has been slowly rolling out. And we talked about platform releases last week and how they were pretty much gone. 
and here comes P.T. <laughs> <yet>. Anderson <laughs> doing a platform release, you know. <laughs> An interesting and- thing that it's not <laughs> impossible that some of our listeners have seen this movie by now. It's true, because I think it had premieres in... This past weekend in New York and L.A., right? In New York and L.A., and I think uh, like in 70 millimeter screening. So if you saw those, please don't spoil anything for us or tell us how amazing it was. Just like let us be be wowed on, on Christmas Day here. Uh, and then we're going to follow that up with <laughs> some Red Oof. Notice 2, the sequel to Red Notice, ever, the, the, the sequel that everyone's been clamoring for, guys, uh, has been greenlit. And we're going to talk about why <laughs> and what <laughs> what streaming numbers mean versus ratings and, and all of that good stuff, because I'm at a loss for words with this one. Uh, we'll <laughs> and then we're going to end it with Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer film, which is kind of like, um, what's the correct term? Not like a golden goose, but like a, it, it's kind of standing out amongst the crowd when it comes to not only the content and the subject matter but also how it's being released and like his contract with the yeah. studios and the scope yes. and just everything it's it's a very interesting kind of situation that's going on there with nolan so uh so yeah guys some big industry stuff here today big and 30 episode uh yes 30th 30. Ep- no, not a 30 episode series this is, will be a one episode no no uh, <laughs> yes. but it's the 30th up ep- yeah whatever you know what i'm saying <laughs> It is. It is. Let's just start the episode. Jesus. Let's get into it. Let's get right into it. <laughs> All right. So, Licorice Pizza, Paul Thomas Anderson, the absolute legend, uh, and what he's doing with this platform style release. I mean, it's basically a platform release, right? Would you say? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, that's it. Like, it's kind of it's starting at. Um, a very very small thing and building to a wider release yeah that's i think that's the definition of a platform release right and gaining momentum gaining you know reviews people talking about it it's kind of gaining the word of mouth stuff that a lot of these other films could have used like spencer and belfast and like and it clearly is seeming to work out for him because within the four theaters it made three hundred and thirty-five thousand dollars. So, like, that's just four theaters. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that's there pretty is fucking a, good. There is a desire for this film. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and it's interesting because people are kind of talking about this being a risky tactic for Paul Thomas Anderson. But in my opinion, he's never been someone who's been very consumed with how his movies do, nor how they do financially. Like, yeah, they all are nominated for. Yeah. Um, Oscars and whatnot, but he's one who he's one filmmaker who's been very vocal about how he's like, yeah, I just make movies for fun and I like Marvel movies and you know it's it's all yeah. for good fun. He's one of those Garnet. guys, yeah, exactly. Um, so I think it's interesting. People, oh, this is really risky for PTA. I'm like, I think this is very not risky for PTA. Like this is kind of like his whole deal. Um, yeah, well, I, and I wonder how much he's really. Like, how much is this him going, yeah, let's do, like, a rollout like this, and how much of it is him saying, yeah, whatever, here's the finished movie. Go yeah, just do. go watch it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but, like, the thing that this is going to do is it's going to start building word of mouth, which yeah. is what, like, all of P.T. Anderson's, like, movies are all about. Like, yeah. 
I don't think I've ever gone to a PTA movie that like I haven't heard from 15 different people like, oh, my God, dude, you have to go see There Will Be Blood. You have to go see Punch Drunk Club. You have to go see The Master. Yeah. Like, and you have to go see it in theaters because yeah. it's like built for that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I mean, like good, good on them. Um, who's the who's distributing on that one? It's not MGM, is it? It's United Artists. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Which, I mean, like, United Artists, like, kind of a small jam in their own sense. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, they're not a, a small jam, whatever that turn of phrase is. Um, <laughs> not a huge, they're not, you know, universal. They're not Paramount. Paramount? Yeah. I don't even, I'm like saying here, I'm like, I don't even know how big these things are anymore. I was going to say MGM, but that's part of Amazon now. Like The ones that people know, I guess. Yeah. You know? Warner it's not Brothers, Disney. Although that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, it's 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 a good move. And like I think the fact that it's in 70 millimeter is like yeah. the step one. I feel like if anywhere is if PTA's fingerprints are anywhere on this distribution plan, it's him saying, Well, like, let's release it in 70 millimeter. Yeah. In film, because like I sh- I shot it that way. Like, let's let people see it. You know, and I would yeah. bet he pushes for that. But other than that, I'm. I, it may be United Artists being like, yeah, like we're gonna see what happens. Yeah, I mean, it. Let's be honest. A lot of Paul Thomas Anderson films are. You have to be in the mood for a movie, like a real movie. Yeah. You know, even for something like Boogie Nights, it's like you do have to be in the mood for something like that. And Licorice Pizza is definitely not like a. Okay, here's another. Yeah, I don't want to use Marvel as an example, but just like a your run of the mill kind it's of not a popcorn you know, blockbuster. Yeah. It's not a popcorn movie. Yeah. Perfect. It's and not built for. We were talking last week about like shorter attention span and things like that. It's not yeah. built for that kind of an audience necessary. Exactly, which needs this kind of gaining momentum to to make yeah. anything of it, which I think is really interesting because of all the. Th- it's like Liquor's Pizza. First of all, the title is really odd. Second of all, and Paul somewhat Thomas, off-putting, but sorry, very continue. off-putting because I'm like, well, I don't even know what that means. I, I, lo- I would love to see what context it has in the movie, mm-hmm. but also Paul Thomas Anderson films. Like, what was the last one he did? Phantom Thread. Yeah. Like, I don't know many people who saw that movie, not because it was bad. I'm, it was up for Academy Awards, but it's just because he's the type of filmmaker that's not like. Here's the two hundred million dollar marketing budget. He's yeah. just like my movies are gonna stand on their own, and if people want to see yeah. them, they're gonna see them. So, Phantom Thread's an interesting question because I'm like, I think back to when that came out, and I, and maybe this is just me not being tuned into it, but I don't yeah. remember associating Phantom Fred, Phantom Fred, <laughs> sequel to Fred Claus, um, oh Jesus. Uh, I don't remember like associating Phantom Thread with Paul Thomas Anderson until like way later. I was like, oh, there's Ah. this movie with um, Daniel Day Lewis that looks odd, looks like a like a little bit more of like a engaged role for for Daniel Day than than some other stuff that Mm -hmm. like it it seemed like an odd fit. And I think that's what my brain um, where so to bring it back though, whereas like licorice pizza is Paul Thomas Anderson's name everywhere and associated right. with it. 
Yeah. It's like everyone's like, this is the new PTA movie. This is the new PTA movie. This right. is go like go. It's Paul. You know those Paul Thomas Anderson movies that you love. This is a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Like yeah, which really makes me go, oh, this is a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. <laughs> like yeah, yeah I want. I don't. I I'm like grasping because I think I lost my point when I I said uh, <laughs> Phantom Fred. But um, yeah, like it's it's one of those. It doesn't need huge stars or a wide release because it's a Paul Thomas Anderson film. People are going to, those who know are going to go. Right. And I think that was shown in the four theaters doing, you know, over a quarter million divided by four. Yeah. $83,000 like a piece, a screen, like literally yeah, in one weekend. Like that's, you know, that's insane. That's, that's insane. I mean, like, yeah. When we're thinking about, you know, movies open wide for 2000 screens and they make like a million and a half dollars sometimes like this yeah. is crazy yeah and i think i, I yeah. just did the math and then literally scrolled like one line in the article and it, and it said says eighty-three thousand eight hundred fifty-two dollars <laughs> per screen good you're showing your math skills math yeah. podcast <laughs> yeah math math cast math bot oh my god um, <sighs> throwback yes <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, this is a really interesting... I mean, everything about this movie is interesting because, like, you just mentioned, no-name actors. Like, yeah, like, Alana Haim, if you know Haim, the the band, like, you'll know who she is. But other than that, you won't know. She's never acted in a movie before, so this is her first acting role as, like, a a star. Yeah. Cooper Hoffman also never, like, yeah, people know who he is because he's, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman's son. But other than that, never done anything like this. It's, and it's, it's one of those that, like, the more you think, like, Bradley Cooper, yeah, but, like, that was the first time I'd remember that Bradley Cooper was in this movie in a long time. Cause yeah, he's not, Sean he Penn's in this be... movie. <laughs> and <laughs> well, it's like, like who yeah. knows? Like, like I I don't associate, it's weird because I associate Cooper Hoffman and Alana Haim with this film way more than I would yeah. either of those two people who are obviously, like, a hundred times more famous than they are. Yeah, and it's gonna be about those two. A hundred percent. that's, like... Everything yeah. else is going to be peripheral. Right. And it's going to be another love letter to the Valley, like Paul Thomas Anderson loves to yes. do, which is, uh, again, I he he makes films about what he loves. And I, I can't I can't fault him for Oil it because he's a master. Man. Oil yeah, he, he can't keep his... <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, PTS or PTSD. PTSD. Written, uh, yeah. <laughs> written uh, Veterans from War. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, this is like this is the kind of movie that de- is deserving of these platform releases, and yes, like I, this is going to be a continued proof of concept. I think for the the fact that it can still work, and I hope that like they don't say, oh, we need like a big director name like PTA to associate with to make a platform release work, because that is like like the anti of what we're trying to sit. Like the idea with the platform release is like you build word of mouth not yeah that you associate big names with it and then like build hype you know there's yeah. a difference between like word of mouth and hype that's going on here right i um, mean like there's hype around spider-man no one's seen yeah. spider-man yet like we don't know yeah four theaters just watch licorice pizza and i've seen nothing but five star reviews like that's yeah. different than oh man spider-man and another spider-man are going to be in a movie like that's yeah. something that people are anticipating this is like no people got to see it they love it 
let's keep keep this train yeah. rolling. And I'm, the hype, I'm all about that. Uh, let, me, let me phrase it this way. The hype around Spider-Man is going to be around four or five minutes of like there's going to be the big reveals of the other Spider-Man. There's going to be like the big reveals of, you know, that kind of thing. There's going to be a five minute total. This yeah. is licorice pizza. The hype, the word of mouth is going to be around the movie as a whole. Yes. Yes. It's Which warm. I think ends up to, to get a little better here ends up being like the difference between the recommend recommendations we make at the end of this podcast and the ah. uh, content consumed comments that we make at the beginning of the of the podcast. I feel like that's like a, yeah, to make it all about us, you know? Yes. Hey, it's our podcast, man. It's true. You're listening. <laughs> no, to I agree. Listener. I agree with you tenfold on that one. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it goes, it expands to 1800 theaters. Yeah. Uh, on Christmas day. Yes. Um, I will be there Christmas day. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. and I think that's, there's no mid tier, right? I think it's just, um, I think they're just opening it wide because there's yeah. not that much time left. So I think they're just going to go wide with it until yeah. the 25th. Um, and I wouldn't want to program against everything else coming out in December. No, so. no. But it's funny because like this is like his, uh, his film is in no danger of being overshadowed by the matrix. Like it's a different thing. Yeah. I think that's what also sets this apart. It's like, it's a very different kind of film. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, oh, you you can release it on the same weekend as whatever, and it, you know, the people who want to go see this will still go see it. The interesting um, thing to think about here is, so it's playing in these four theaters. Is it playing in these four theaters? Is it playing in four seventy millimeter theaters for the next month? I would be very seemed, surprised if that. Yeah, is. that seems like it's a hard sell to a theater owner. Yeah, I would. Love so to it's see, like, I mean, <laughs> is this movie gonna just kind of like disappear? here for a couple weeks and then come back i think it might we'll have to keep an eye on the numbers of it yeah. and see if they like oh yeah we expanded it to like a hundred theaters yeah you know and it's just playing like in like new york and chicago and la and boston and austin and all the major major places oh yeah 100 percent. yeah we'll have to keep an eye on it yeah um you know what we won't have to keep an eye on because it will just come directly to our faces. Oh, God. Oh. Red Notice 2. Yeah. Now, have you watched Red Notice 1, Josh? I have, much to my chagrin, watched Red Notice 1. Yes. I have not, so we're right on brand here. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Although I won't Do you hold want this another one, to one you. of this movie? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> There's other stuff coming out right now. Yeah. Um, um, do I want another Red Notice? No. Um, I actually don't even want the first one, honestly. It, it's one of those, yeah, it's one of those movies where a lot of people had this reaction to Free Guy that I didn't necessarily mm -hmm. have. The thing about Red Notice was it took everything that made Ryan Reynolds, The Rock, and Gal Gadot something to watch and took mm -hmm. that and just threw it away. So mm -hmm. it was like, you made Ryan Reynolds not funny. You made The Rock not charismatic. You made Gal Gadot like I don't know, like I don't know. She, yeah. she she's kind of an enigma to me. But uh, so no, I'm not I'm not um, excited about this coming. And it really confused me because overall, it hasn't gotten amazing ratings from most people that I know and critics alike. Yeah. <sighs> Which is getting me to the point where I'm confused about streaming services and 
like because Red Notice premiered what two three weeks ago. I want to say yeah. I mean, yeah, quote unquote, it's the number one movie ever streamed on Netflix, which I believe sort of. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't really mean much when you're talking about. I don't know. I'm. I'm. It's hard because when we're talking about box office, like it's the same thing. Okay, this many people bought into seeing this movie doesn't necessarily mean they're going to come back for the next one. Yeah. But this seems very, very quick to respond here. Like two weeks well, later, greenlit Dune. That's a different story. Everyone's sure. waiting for the second Dune movie. Red Notice. I'm like, <laughs> dude. I don't care if they all die in the next movie. Like it just. Yeah. So yeah. I, so I feel like there's two things going on here. One is how did this movie do so well? How? And how do we know this movie did so well? Yeah. Um, and there's a couple things there. And then the other question is like, what merits a sequel these days? Yes. Especially and on the streaming. bar for that. And especially on streaming. Yeah. The bar for that is very low. I think no one could possibly argue that that like, oh yeah, they yeah. don't make enough sequels or anything like, no, that's not. Yeah. <laughs> so like, let's, let's talk about the first thing here first. So like, mm-hmm. how did so many people watch this movie? And it's weird because like, I looked at like, I have a general distrust of like Netflix Same. in terms of like their, like oh yeah this is like our most streamed thing ever because like if you search like you know red notice streaming or something you get like four articles that's like like the second one is like the rock says red notice is the highest streamed movie of all time on netflix and i'm like oh okay so yes because the rock is who i go to when i'm looking for like (laughs) technical data on yeah um So, but I mean, and we've talked on this podcast before that there's not really a great metric out there in terms of how these movies, there's no box office to this. No. Which is kind of changing. So just before we started this pod, I realized that um, Netflix has just in the past week and hey, it's past week news. Um, hey. Also, it might not have been the past week. I but I think he could have just week, gone with it. He could have just, I know I could have said nothing <laughs> and we didn't find, but instead I'm wasting a good 15 <laughs> seconds. Just, um, but yeah, so Netflix put out a top 10 page. Um, it's top 10.netflix.com, which is similar to like the top 10 carousel that you see when you're you log on to your Netflix on whatever, but this has numbers associated to it. Which is huge, which is like something that we haven't seen before. And like, again, like hesitant because it's run by Netflix and they like, you know, I I like to think that they're more um, just than that. But they could say, oh, yeah, like it's a big media giant like they, Yeah, they could put a number. It's like. Like, it's Netflix saying, like, yes, we're the best. It's like that meme of Obama putting the medal around Obama's head. Yeah. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like, yep. Best. We did Netflix it. is the best of all the Netflix. Yeah. We um, did it, folks. <laughs> so there's a level of just kind of distrust because it's not a third party, like, system here. But. Yeah. Yeah. Like, looking at the numbers, Red Notice, its first week 
was watched for 148 million hours in its first week. Now, weird number metric to begin with because, like, the movie's two hours long. Right. You know, so that makes it, like, a 74 million views. Right. You know, so, like, because half 148, you know. But, um, so, like, but 74 million people watch this, households, whatever, watch this movie in its first week. That's huge. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you consider that, like, that 74, like, hey, here comes data analytics, Willis. Um, (laughs) We'll say that 74 was just, like, one person, you know, per Mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. If you do like an average of like a $15 ticket, mm-hmm. that's like what, like a hundred and eleven thousand, hundred and eleven million dollar opening weekend, opening yeah. week, mm-hmm. which is huge. Right. I hope I did that math. Like, don't hold me wrong. This is hashtag. No, no, podcast, no, no. We're like, doing this on the fly, guys. Um, like, <laughs> I'm going to listen this back to this and be like, you're an idiot. But, uh, <laughs> But like, so like, that's the thing is like, that's a massive opening weekend if those are the numbers. And that's yeah. like, if those numbers came out in a box office, we'd be like, of course we're getting a red notice too. Yeah. It does an opening week like that. And like, you know, it was 148 million hours the first week, 129 million hours the second week and 50 million hours this week. Like that's, that's a massive, that's a me box office smash so like yeah we've gone off on safari a little bit again but like so to come back to our two questions of like how did this movie (laughs) possibly do that much business because like there's there was some ad campaign around it but like not a ton well like if you follow the rock on instagram there was a crazy ad campaign but other than that yeah there weren't well, I guess I don't know because I don't have cable. So there might have been crazy commercials, but like I didn't see many. I saw them on Netflix, yeah. obviously. Well, me too. And like that's the thing is like you open Netflix and there is The Rock, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot staring at mm-hmm. you. Odds are, given those three, you're like, oh, I love one of those people. Yeah. And like that, if that's all you know about it and like the trailer is pretty well cut, like, yeah, press play. Sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, especially like this past, well, I guess that's, I was going to say this past couple weeks have been like, I feel like people are more, it's like a holiday week. People are watching more movies, et cetera. cetera. It's fair. Um, That's definitely fair. But yeah, I get it. I, I get it. But I don't want to get it. It's like, (laughs) yeah. It's coming back to a thing of like, I don't know. I've lost myself, Josh. Save me. Pull me back. Well, so what I was going to say was that I, I understand it, but at the same time, like when we're talking about numbers, streaming numbers versus box office numbers, mm-hmm. what we have to account for is I would not have gone to see, I specifically as a viewer yeah. would not have paid to go and see this. I did, however, just click on it because it was there, and I yeah. don't know if I finished it honestly, but uh, but but it was there, so I clicked on it, and it was it's, there for a long time. It still may be there. I don't know what's there now, but it still might be up there. It's definitely on their top ten like little bracket yeah. that they have um, on their homepage. But but it's interesting to say like fifty or a hundred forty million hours watched 
on Netflix does yeah. not mean it would have mi- it would have had the same amount of time if it was in the theater. Yeah. Because I want to see, it's not necessarily how many people enjoyed the movie or how many people watched it when it comes to streaming. It's it's going to be how many people liked it. And there's not like a clear rating system on Netflix. It's like mm-hmm. you either liked it or you didn't like it, which is kind of like, come on. Which I don't even know if you can still do that. Can you do thumbs you up, You definitely thumbs down? can because I thumbed yeah. down this movie. Yeah. Um, so, so I would be interested to see that and how many people stick around to watch the second one. Because, I mean, it's a lot, it's the same thing with Dune. Like, a lot of people just watched it because it was there, you know? Yeah. And they turned out they really enjoyed it. Now, I don't think that's the case with this. I think a lot of people turned it on and were like, you know, it's it's fine to have on. Like, it's not yeah. the worst movie in the well, world. Well, and that's, you can you can wander away from it and keep it playing. Exactly. And that's you know, like, who, you, you never know. you can't do in a movie theater. Yeah. Exactly. So it's a weird metric or it's a weird kind of state we're in where, yes, I guess collectively almost 400 million hours were streamed watching this movie, which is just makes no sense to me at all. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that it was a was a good movie or B anyone's going to want to watch the second one. I want to see when this when Red Notice 2 gets released, yeah. how long it's on the number 1 or hey, again, Netflix might be fudging the numbers and it could they could just say it's number 1 and it's on the the homepage forever. Yeah. Um <laughs> but dude, I, I, I Well, and the the <sighs> thing I was saying earlier of like, oh, it's just on the screen and you're like gonna like one of those three people. Yeah. That doesn't work for Red Notice 2. Or two yeah. red, two notice. Like oh my, oh my god. <laughs> um, oh my god, two red to notice. Oh my god, that actually almost even works. Holy I'm a, shit! I am a titling genius. Um, oh my god, copyright right now. <laughs> <laughs> Just have to buy it off you. Book the website. Buy the dot com. <laughs> buy the domain. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, shit, I'm gonna have to do that before this episode airs now. Uh, <laughs> It just takes us and I've it takes them to the pixel derailed my, uh, yeah, <laughs> this episode. Um, but like, so th- that whole thing of like, here's one, of, you're going to like one of these people click this thing is not going to mm-hmm. work for the second one because you can put that same poster there, but you're like, Oh, red notice too. Yeah. I remember red notice. That movie sucked. I'm exactly, no, I'm not going to, which I think, yeah, it's like what you've kind of been saying. And it's, I don't know. It's, it's a weird this whole top 10 Netflix thing is, is got me a little bizarre. Yeah. It, it seems like there's a lot of stats. I mean, it's only top 10 stuff, but it's top 10 films in English, non-English top 10 TV mm-hmm. and top 10 non-English TV. Yeah. Um, and then it looks like it's broken down by country as well. Um, oh shit. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, and they have, they have their uh, top 10, Films of all time. Um, ooh, this is interesting. Ooh, what's number one? I'm curious. Number one is Red Notice. Oh, fuck by, off. God damn Yeah, well, that was their whole thing. It's the, it's oh, the oh, number okay. one movie it's, on Netflix yeah, of all I, time. I, yeah, yeah. I got you. We've yeah. talked about this, Josh. Damn. Yeah, but that just um, doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> well, number two movie... is Bird Box. Okay. Yeah. Number three is Extraction. Okay. Which I don't even remember that. Um, but that's getting green. Li- okay, so that was another thing I wanted to bring up. Both Extraction and The Old Guard are also getting sequels. Yes. And Extraction is like oh, just yes. some bullshit yeah. Chris Hemsworth thing. Like, it, yeah. It, it, yeah. <sighs> Dude. And then the, to round the top five, it's The Irishman and The Kissing Booth, too, which. 
Uh, so one good movie out of the five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. this is. I'm going to do the full 10 here. Six okay. is Six Underground. It's oddly satisfying. Uh, number seven is Spencer Confidential, which I've never heard of. Um, That's the Mark Wahlberg uh, terrible, oh, yeah. terrible movie. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Enola Holmes, number eight. Army of the okay. Dead, number nine. And The Old Guard, number 10. Dude, um, one movie out of that entire group is good. Like, I don't get... Which one? It was The Irishman. <laughs> That's the only one that there I'm like, go. okay, <laughs> I'm down with that. Every other one, I'm like, Spencer Confidential, garbage. Like, Extraction, garbage. Red Note is gar... Like, <laughs> The Old Guard, I'm like, okay. Like, I had fun because Charlize is straight up a badass. Yeah. Other than that, I'm like, eh. Like, I don't need to see yeah. another one. Not Dude. a huge, yeah. So... Whew. To come back around here real quick. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand the whole thing with Red Notice. I'm like, I'm going to have a few too many bears at one point and be like, yeah, I'm going to watch this movie and I'm going to hate it because that's Please what I do. do. Please um, do. Oh my God, yes. But I am actually super on board with this top 10 Netflix page. Oh yeah. Because if this sets a precedent, because this is Netflix going, yeah. 400 million hours watched our movie. What do you got, Disney? What do you got, HBO? What do you got, Hulu? Like, well, you know. Yeah. It It's a tipping point of a new metric. Yeah. And, like, Netflix would have had to have been the one to tee it off. Yeah. The oldest in the game. And that's what we're going to – like, I feel like this is, like, a, a precedent thing of, like, this is what we're going to be talking about in two years where it's like – well, so, you know, Red Notice 2 opened to 127 hours. Danny Boyle know. film? Danny Boyle, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was like, had this whole point, and then I shot myself in the foot <laughs> by the name uh, movie references. But, um, oh, but yeah, sure. so, like, Red Notice 2 opens to, like, I think hours or millions of hours is going to turn into our new metric. Yeah. Which is weird because it's a whole different structure, like, not compatible with box office dollars. No, not at all. No. You know what I mean? Um, but we need some kind of metric for it. And that's what I'm kind of excited for. So, Yeah, totally. And a rating metric's not going to work. Like, it's just, it has to be something like this because everyone's yeah. going to be like, oh, it's a one-star movie. It's a four. Yeah, so. Yeah. Well, it's how many people went to see this? Do I need to go see this? And it's the same thing. You know, yes. that's, in that, it's the same metric. But in any other... It's different. But I'm I'm on board with everything you just said. I think that it's going to be interesting to see how all the other streamers compete with Netflix to try and get their numbers out there to be like, oh, well, you had this... Because, yeah, it's the, it's a numbers game. 400 yeah. million hours. Okay, yep. well, we had this many on, you know, Snyder Cut or this many people watch The Boys or whatever, so... Yeah, 400 million hours, and you can't say, well, yeah, Snyder Cut was our number one movie of June... You know, like, yeah. So what, like 40 people watch it? Like you know, right. 40 hours? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's also an interesting thing with that metric because it's like Snyder Cut then automatic. Oh, does this lead to longer movies? Oh, longer than two and a half hours? Oh, well, no. Well, like one view of Snyder Cut it's counts four hours, for two yeah. of Red Notice. <laughs> it's true. That's interesting. I'm going to have to choose. But how many one. people are more willing to sit down to watch a four-hour movie than a two-hour movie. That's the other well, thing. Well, yes, we'll have to finesse it in there, but like... Yeah. Or Ooh. even like we were talking about The Irishman, like that's yeah. a three and some True. change hour movie. Yeah. Um, and also kind of a hard sell to be like, let's go watch The Irishman, man. Like, Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, um, This will be really interesting 
cutting that all together because dear listener i hope that made any kind of sense because it doesn't make sense to me looking back but we'll see it's okay we're working through it guys you know we come up with topics and we work through it live so yes (laughs) that's our thing it's engaging yes hey you know what else is hopefully going to be engaging is um Nolan's new movie, which there's not a Nolan movie that's not engaging, but uh oh actually before we go into this, did you watch Tenet? I did. Okay. What did you like it? <laughs> <sighs> Do you know if you liked it or not? <laughs> because I'm not sure still. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't know. Yeah. I I don't think I did. I don't remember a lot of it and that's usually a indicator and i think a lot of that is because like a lot of the time i wasn't 100 sure what was going on yeah and then once you didn't understand a little bit what was going on it kind of just you're like well you're see you later off to the races going on without you yeah um (laughs) yeah same same but that's yeah i mean that's no that's nolan you know nolan did you understand memento the first time you watched it like, right, exactly. Do I, yeah, do I or still, Inception? do I understand? Do you know yeah, what exactly. Inception, like, <laughs> yeah. was he alive or dead? Um, it's true, it's true. We're getting off, but um, but yeah. that was my fault. But so Christopher Nolan, we're, it's all tying in here. Christopher Nolan yes. has uh, made a deal with Universal after much uh, animosity between studios and him parting ways with Warner Brothers and whatnot. Yes. He's found a home at Universal to create his film, a historical drama about Oppenheimer's creation of the atomic bomb within the United States. Now, it's weird I would because... Like to, can I start this yeah. off by saying, yeah. I really hope that Universal had no idea what the film was going to be. They're just like, yeah, come on, Christopher Nolan, like come to Universal. And then he's like, so I have this biopic of Oppenheimer. And they're <laughs> and like, they're like oh. huh, does he time travel he's like no is he batman cerebral piece about (laughs) the creation of an atomic but yeah anyway sorry yes yes well the weird thing about it is nolan is one of the only filmmakers who could actually make a profitable oppenheimer film we'll get into more of that in a second because Mm -hmm. it's it's interesting but basically this type of film a historical drama, which I'm sure is going to have its Nolan flair and the writing and then the set design and the pieces and everything like that. But regardless Michael of Kane. Michael Caine, you know, uh, it, it's it's going to, you know, it's not a film that's easy to sell to a studio, nor is it easy to sell to audiences because it's very specific, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting because we talked a couple episodes, like probably six episodes back about Nolan's deal with Universal where he gets so much, like full creative control. He gets a huge chunk of the grossing, like when it comes, when like, you know, first dollar grosses. Exactly. So it's a huge contract for him, like cited towards him. Yeah. And it's a big swing because it's going to be like a multi hundred million dollar movie as Nolan only makes multi hundred million dollar films. And Mm -hmm. I don't know well, do you think this is going to be a success, like financially? Obviously, this is a loaded question that has we have no idea. But do you personally think that this is going to be a good thing for him, having seen his work? I think it will be a good thing for him because I think, as weird as this sounds, I feel like he needs something to bring him back to the ground after Tenant. Yes, yes. 
in terms of its, I feel like it will break even. I don't think it's going to bomb or anything because, like, he doesn't make things that bomb. Like, really, Tenant's the only one that you could even make that argument. And, like, it's because no one could go to a movie theater. He released it in, like, like, October of 2020. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, that was, like, you can't blame him for that. (laughs) That being said, it doesn't have that same spectacle and again completely hypothetical but like it doesn't seem like it's going to have that same spectacle of inception or um yeah or tenant or something like that it's even it's more of which a, is a Dun- well i was gonna say it feels more of like a dunkirk kind of thing which yeah i don't know if he does like a you know a sine wave kind of thing of huge <laughs> huge box office thing down to like a um you know a more artsy thing huge box like you know yeah yeah so yeah, I don't know if he has like a same up and down kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and this is like the and I don't down is like a negative term for it, but like this is like the the lower of the the wave. But like yeah, yeah. I feel like this is less of a box office spectacle than probably Universal was hoping for. But yeah, I, it's like I'm still going to see it. You know what I mean? Like it's like one of those. I'm like yeah, I'm gonna I'm not gonna not see a Nolan film. And I think he has that built-in fan base that's saying that now. Yeah. I I think a lot of um, uh, The Aviator or um, Jay Hoover, what? Jay Edgar. I think that was the Leo movie. That was Scorsese, yeah. yeah. Or Um, I think. No, Jay Edgar wasn't. Aviator was, but. Aviator definitely was. Yeah. Oh, it was Eastwood. Eastwood. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Like that kind of like, I think it's going to be that kind of drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm fine with it. I I don't think it's, I, well, and again, total speculation, but I don't know if it's going to reach to those people where they're just like, oh, I want to go see us or a, a blockbuster. You know, I don't think it's going to reach that. So I think, I feel like to go back to your original question from 20 minutes ago, I feel like, uh, that's where we're going to land. It's going to make money, but like maybe not enough to be a box office smash, but it's fine because it's Christopher Nolan and he'll just do his next movie. Exactly. Like it's weird looking at his profit margins when it comes to movies, because he really doesn't besides tenant. And I haven't seen the exact numbers on what that made in total, but he doesn't make films that do poorly. Like even Dunkirk, which was, yeah, like we were talking about a kind of a historical ish. Yeah. It was a historical drama. Yeah. Yeah to an extent yeah it did well i think it made like 600 700 million dollars at the box office and yeah it's weird because nolan as a filmmaker he's one of the only filmmakers that i'm like he can draw a crowd with just his name like weird you know we talked about pta and like i know a lot of people who have no clue who paul thomas anderson is like it's just which i can't blame them for but it's like people know christopher nolan and i would say like even more than someone like he's more bankable than someone like michael bay who only does big spectacle like action blockbuster for movie popcorn stuff and it's weird because there's like i think a lot of that has to do with his filmography because like the batman trilogy that he did defined him to a ton of people yeah. And kind of gave him a blank check to do whatever he wants for the rest of his career. Totally. You know what I mean? Let, let me ask you this. If mm-hmm. Oppenheimer comes out and it's bad. Yeah. You know, which or like Universal takes a hundred million dollar hit on it. Mm-hmm. It makes like 70 million at the box office. Oh, man. Yeah. D- 
does that matter? Like, how much does that dethrone Christopher Nolan? I feel like not that much. Well, I see, it's weird because I don't know what studio executives are looking for yeah. because M. Night Shyamalan makes films every two years and he's mm-hmm. had nothing but bombs for the last like decade. And it's mm-hmm. like he still gets money to make whatever he wants to, not whatever Well, they're he wants not writing make. him $200 million. They're not. Checks. But I don't think he's taking those swings any like anymore. I think he's like, you know, I'll, I'll do a more of a kind of more contained type of thing. So that's he really interesting. He also doesn't have first dollar gross. That's true. That's Which true. For, for our listeners, first dollar gross is as soon as as soon as Oppenheimer opens. Yeah. Christopher Nolan will start making a percentage of it. They don't have to yes. recoup their costs. Nope. Money nope. goes Straight into his pocket. So yes, which is which why is crazy. Which is part of the reason why we're like, this is the most one of the most insane deals ever yeah. for this project specifically. If it was like a Batman, another Batman movie, it's like, of course, yeah. dude, it's gonna make a billion dollars, literally. And that's, I think, the big question that we're we're sort of coming to here is like, can he keep making these? Like, do you think there's a point where Universal goes? Okay, like, yeah, we'll keep you into this contract, but like, you know, you have to, you can do whatever you want for your two movies from now, but for the next one, you have to do, I don't know, what franchise does Universal have? Um, Born. You have to do a Born movie for us. Okay, fair enough. You know what I mean? You got to do a Boss Baby remake. Well, um, or Jurassic Park. They have Jurassic, you have to do Jurassic World 4. 4. And then. You can go back to, you know, this crazy your- whatever thing that you want to do. <laughs> like, did, I don't, but like, that's the thing is, I don't see, he'd have to do two or three bombs in a row for them to be like, uh. Well, do, would he these days? I mean, I think that people, like, the, the, well, attention spans have shortened, but also life, like, the span where someone's going to give something a chance has also drastically shortened, where it's like, okay. There's so much shit yeah. that can be made these days. I mean, we just saw Red Notice get get green Red Notice two get green light in two weeks. So it's like things yeah. are are so abbreviated now, where they may even just can him before before they even know what to do with his next couple projects. Because it's weird, yeah. films have to be successful in one regard, and if it's not successful critically, it has to be successful financially, or else people are going to start to be like, eh. And if it's mm-hmm. Not successful either way, which I can't imagine that in one regard it's going to be successful. Yeah, in this is some all way. hypothetical, <laughs> like, right? It's just like Nolan films, regardless of how I feel about him as a writer, he makes beautiful movies, and that's just what yeah. he does. But it has to be success. If it's not successful at all, I don't think they would give him another chance after two, two movies. It's interesting because this is leaning into the same thing that we've sort of talked about of where this industry now is in terms of like actors and things like that is it's not you you can't just be a bankable star you have to be a consistently bankable we talked about this with uh timmy chalamet there yeah you know where it's like he is dependable enough to always turn always turn in a good performance Mm -hmm. regardless of the movie he's in and that's what makes him a bankable actor not necessarily that he has huge name recognition or something like that but it's dependable that you can put him in something 
and it will be he'll be good. Yeah. And I think what we're getting at is that's the same thing with directors these days. Of, yeah. You know, if you suddenly aren't a dependable director and like I think of others, too, it's like. Save for like the 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 legendary auteurs that can do whatever the hell you want they want and like I, I Chris Nolan might not be on that level yet but he's not he's far. pretty close yeah yeah he might be in that place like he might be in that place if he can do whatever he wants as long as he keeps under like hundred fifty million dollars sure or something Which like is that but totally doable well not for yeah, him but yeah yeah <laughs> well yeah he can go back to his memento days. Um, true, true. But would he want? But, he's like, I need to get the plane. I yeah. need them on the plane. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. In seventy millimeter. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I guess we're just getting. It needs to be a consistent thing. Yeah. Um, which is like one of those. that's like that's a lot of pressure. Yes. Yeah. But like, I, I think a pressure that he's more than capable of handling like he i like you know we're talking about all the stuff but like yeah like he hasn't made a bad movie yes he's made some weaker movies but sure. none that are like none that you come out of me and go you know no n- he like, never oh, has no what happens to christopher nolan now exactly yeah but he's also one of those filmmakers who's adamantly against like the changing of the tides which yes. is also really problematic when it comes to like what we're dealing with today not saying like he has to start releasing things on streaming devices but no if he's in the ridley scott camp of like being very negative about a lot of the way that people are not only consuming his products or his his like projects but like just the people in general who are consuming them it gets to a troubling uh, kind of point where um well, and yeah. that's the reality check when he has two bad movies in a right. row. And it's like, you know, Universal's like, yeah, we're not going to do anymore. And then Netflix rings up the phone and he's, they're like, hey, so yeah. come do it. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, sure. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's interesting. Yeah. We'll have to wait. I- I'm super excited about this movie. Um, yeah. It's it, like, <laughs> it, like this took a really, really negative turn turn but like yeah this movie's gonna be really good yes i have faith in christopher no like he knows yeah. how to direct he knows how to direct huge talent well yeah unique stories and yeah yeah like yeah. the only thing i could see him running into issue with is like not being able to extend something like like being too tethered to reality or something like that uh, you know what i mean yeah 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 um, which he, yeah, I could but see like, it for I think him. When he find, yeah, I feel like when he hits that kind of point, though, he just gets more stylistic. Sure. You know, we get things like Dunkirk with almost no yeah. talking. Exactly. Exactly. And weird yeah. jumps in time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah I'm not worried. Nolan's one we don't necessarily have to be worried about, but it's interesting to look at because it's, it's things yeah. are changing rapidly and we need to, we need to pay attention, you know? Yeah. So. He's like a, uh, high level example to dissect that's probably playing itself out in smaller situations across the yes, industry. Exactly. Yeah. It's funny to talk about Paul Thomas Anderson and Chris Nolan in the same like convert in the same episode yeah. because they're so drastically different in the way that they make movies, the 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 content of the films and the way that they think about film. Yeah. Like it's just so interesting. They're and like yet polar opposites. Millimeter. And yet here we are. 
70 millimeter <laughs> for both of them like literally yeah like, yes <laughs> yeah they Bizarre. love them big frames there's something man. there's something to 70 millimeter here guys i think it unites yeah polar opposites it's true um it's true all right i think that's so it, yeah that's less heated than we were last week we were pretty heated when we got to this point last week hey man you know, I had some gin in me, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting, getting heated. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to, do you want to bring us into our recommendations? Dear listener, it is our big yes. old 30th episode. I know we said this already at the beginning, yeah. but in celebration of the big 30, we're going to have a midlife crisis. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, the next episode will be completely retooled format. We'll have different haircuts. We'll yep dress entirely different. Well, it's going to have a different name to the the podcast. Yes, you know, <laughs> splitter pixels. Um, yes. No, so in honor of our thirtieth episode, we wanted to do something a little more exciting with our recommendations. So we are going to give you two recommendations from thirty years ago. Yes. Um. Which was 1991, as horrifying as that is. Good God, man. (laughs) And I don't know about you, Josh, but I was like, oh, this will be cool. Yeah. And then I looked at the list of movies that came out in 1991. Yeah. And it's absolutely insane. It just keeps going. Like you're scrolling and scrolling. Yeah. Like you're like, oh, here's the top 10. And then you get down to 30 and you're like, oh, those amazing movies. Yeah. 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 Um, So... I don't know. Do you want to do two, Josh? We can do two. Mine are going to be, I, I now know what mine is going to be if we do two. Um, we can definitely do two each. I'm down with that. I mean, it's it's up to you. Like, I, I have my number one here, but I'll, uh, I, I have a number two. I have a number, I have one through five here, but like, I don't think we should do five because that's I was going to say, episode. I have a top three here too. So we can, yeah. do, let's definitely do two. Um, let's do two. Okay. So and they we'll don't do, have to be in any ranking order. Just no. throw them out there. Definitely not. Um, do you want me to do two and then you do two? Or do we want to do one, one? Let's do one, 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 one. Okay. All right. So, you go first. Okay. So my first uh, recommendation for this week is going to be, and this is not just because I feel like I was being a little unfair to Ridley last week, but it's also <laughs> just a movie that I rewatched again last night. Uh, Thelma and Louise uh just Excellent. a world class movie i it's it's i don't even know how to really describe it without going into too much detail but obviously it's a ridley scott joint uh gina davis susan sarandon harvey keitel as yet another cop who is having a hard time catching the bad guy yeah harvey, <laughs> harvey keitel, 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 man. keitel. <laughs> it's just him man um but it's like a dark kind of a buddy comedy sort of akin to like a not as brutal natural born killers type of thing but still mm-hmm. you know has a lot of the the thematic uh, elements there it's it's just a really good movie it's a good time it's as dark as it is funny in in a lot of different ways especially when it gets to the last third of the film we get to some pretty dark stuff but it is it's an incredible film the performances across the board are phenomenal um i always forget that susan sarandon is just like so she's good. one that I just I want her to do more stuff these days because oh my god dude like mm-hmm. she is so absolutely phenomenal 
so yeah, it's it's. I guess I'll go into the plot a little bit. It's basically about two friends going away on a long weekend, and illegal things happen, which make them have to yes. go and run away from the law, and almost like a Bonnie and Clyde type thing. And it's just, it's a wonderful. Probably song. some of the best character arc. Yeah. That I've <sighs> ever seen. Oh my god! Across the board, like oh my god, yeah. Um, so yes, that's my first recommendation, and that's streaming on HBO Max right now. So check it out, please. <laughs> and uh, what do you got for your first one, Willis? So my first recommendation um, is going to be a movie from 1991. Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> called Backdraft. Yes, yes. <laughs> Backdraft, and like I like scrolled through the, this entire list, and I was like, oh, that's such a good movie. That's such a good movie. That's such a good. Backdraft has a special place in my heart. And like looking at the cast in this, it's absolutely crazy. So it's a Ron Howard movie. Fucking Ron Howard. Starring Kurt Russell, William Baldwin, Billy Baldwin, Robert De Niro, Donald Sutherland, Jennifer Jason Lee. Like and it's about two firefighters uh who are basically trying to catch an arsonist. Not catch an arsonist, but like there's an arsonist on the loose and it setting shit on fire yeah (laughs) but the thing that kills me about this movie is like the practical effects they do with the fire in this are amazing and this is one of those movies that i've seen like a dozen times because it used to always be on tv and it was always Mm -hmm. like oh man backdrafts on backdrafts yeah yeah so that's three oscar nominees for best visual effects (laughs) sound effects editing and sound like yeah so good. It's Ron Howard, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, available to rent on Prime. Uh, gotcha. But yes. Um, That's what what's your second one you. you got there? Oh, it's so good. Um, it's probably, I haven't seen it in a while. It's probably so 90s at this point, too. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, all of these are. Oh, yeah. All of these, it's, for sure. There's nothing you can get away from. like, <laughs> And nothing is going to capture the 90s. Uh, like my second pick, which is I got to go with my heart on this one is Point Break. Um, yes. Oh my God, man! I love this movie so damn much. Catherine Bigelow, in kind of her element, but also kind of not. Like it's it's mm-hmm. not like her typical thing here. Uh, an absolutely incredible Keanu Reeves performance, but a sneaky Gary Busey performance that you're like, oh damn, yeah. I forgot mm-hmm. about Gary Busey. Like, Gary this is Busey. actually really fucking good. <laughs> um, also, Swayze. I mean, you can't get away from Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Uh, this uh, probably is... Probably this and Roadhouse are, like, iconic yeah. Swayze. Like, truly iconic Swayze. Um, the hair, everything about it. Everything about it. It's also, fun fact about this film, there's a sequence where they go skydiving, and this is mm-hmm. actually Patrick Swayze jumping out of a... Uh, out of uh, an airplane with the camera crew because the producers originally told him you can't do this this is way too dangerous obviously and then he took the camera crew out because he knew the dp and everything after hours and they just went and shot it and it's in the movie and i'm like oh my god so that's why it looks so good the tom cruise of the 90s truly truly (laughs) i mean come on now i know tom Tom cruise Cruise is around around then but but like (laughs) he wasn't doing this so uh um but yeah, an absolutely incredible film. I mean, Johnny Utah, how can you get around it? I mean, That's I true. also love like top five best bank robber, like get ups with the dead presidents, man. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's that's right up. An there inspiration the, you know? <laughs> for pretty much an inspiration for every action movie since. 
Yes. Like there's yes. point break references in everything. There's point break style in everything. Like, yes, absolutely. Got to love iconic Catherine Bigelow. It, like it's iconic and you can say what you want to say about Keanu's line delivery, but it's perfect. It fits every part of this film and, and yeah, available to rent on prime as well. I think this, it's, it, it goes through a cycle. It goes on to different like streaming platforms. So you might be able yeah. to find it for free somewhere, but if you don't want to, you know, wait for that, rent it on prime point break guys. It's uh surfing at its finest. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, what do you uh, what do you got for your second recommendation right. there, Willis? So my second one is a deep cut. Okay, um, it's worth hunting down if okay. you can find it. It is streaming on Amazon. It is the 1991 film Delicatessen. Okay, which is a French film directed by Marc Caro and Jean Pierre Genot. Um, okay, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Also written by them. Really, really weird, weird ass movie, but like beautiful, hilarious. It's like a surrealist black comedy is how it's like described. I'll, I'll put it this way. When it was brought to the U.S. for distribution, it was marketed as a Terry Gilliam Presents film. Gotcha. Okay. It's bizarre. It's beautiful. It all kind of takes place in like a apartment building kind of but then there's a whole other part that's kind of else okay i saw this movie when i was in film school and it's like never left me it it has been like an inspiration in so much of the cinematography that i've done in my life and it's (laughs) absolutely worth it i know that's like a really really bizarre recommendation given some of the other stuff that came out in uh (laughs) 1991 but like i was scrolling through the list and as soon as i saw that i was like all right well that's it i like wanted it was the same kind of thing as when i was like oh ghostbusters i'm like it was like i wanted to yeah see if i could pick something else but delicatessen man um dude hell yeah i do want to give like some runners up here of like other stuff that came out in 91 so our listeners oh my god yeah uh silence of the lambs uh, terminator Terminator 2 2, judgment day hook jfk Mm -hmm. beauty and the beast the animated one um Cape Fear, Boys in the Hood. Oh, yeah, Cape uh, Fear. Oh, man. Yeah, Father of the Bride, uh, the City Slickers, The Rocketeer, My Own Private Idaho. I'm just, like, going through the list here. What about Bob? Yeah. Barton Fink. Like, the list just yep. keeps going Cohen's, and going and oh going. Oh, my God, man. It's... Um, is a hell of a... It's an interesting... It would be an interesting thing to look of, like, is there something about the beginning or end of a decade that breeds better mm. films because 1999 Ooh. arguably the best uh year for movies ever here we yeah. are in 2001 with like this massive lineup of 2001 yeah. 2021 or 21 uh, yeah yeah with this massive lineup of amazing films that are coming out i know it's a uh, worth checking out but definitely absolutely that's woo. that's really interesting to think about yeah okay so all right so that's what we got that's it Check. Check out some movies from 1991, guys. There's yes. so many, and you've definitely it's seen a, a bunch year. of them. <laughs> yes, yes. There's something to find that you'll love yes. in 1991. And yeah. All right. So wow. that'll bring us home. Yes. Uh, that was quite the episode. Yeah. Um, but hey, we got we got stuff to talk about. We do. It's a podcast. I love we get to the end of these, and we're always like, well, sorry we talk so long, guys, but we talk a lot. <laughs> It's like, well, that's the point of this entire show, like, is we talk a lot. 
Also came out in 1991, Rover Dangerfield, the animated film uh, with Rodney Dangerfield as a dog, the dog who gets no respect. Oh, Classic. my word. Okay. <laughs> I, wasn't I can aware. tell from your expression you've never heard of it. but Never amazing. heard of it. <laughs> All right. Um, so let's uh, let's bring it back here. Um, let uh, Josh, where can people find you online? Yes, people can find me online uh, on Twitter at Josh Fuller 33 Fuller is spelled with no E. And you can find me on Instagram uh, at Josh J. Fuller. I'm also on Letterboxd at Josh Fuller, where I will have all my recent film watching excursions on there. <laughs> and yes. Uh, yes, where can people find you, Willis? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Willis Film. I am also on Letterboxd uh, at Andrew Willis or... Yeah, that's what we decided. Yeah, I think it's yeah. also Will's film. Um, but you can, if you want to find the podcast, you can find us on Instagram at Pixel Splitters, on Twitter at Pixel Split Pod, and on Letterbox at Pixel Splitters, where you'll get all of our recommendations plus Rover Dangerfield. Yes. yes. Uh, <laughs> and that'll bring us home. And that's all we got. Uh, we'll yeah. be going in into our 30s now. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Holy crap. I'm kind of proud of us. Me too. I mean, hey, people yeah. say a lot of podcasts, they, they stop after the first 10 episodes or whatever, yeah. but here we are. And here we are. Um, <laughs> so I guess that'll be it. And yeah. uh, should we just stop talking? I think so. I think we probably okay. should. Pixel Splatters. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next week. <laughs>